Hello and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast, brought to you by RTL Today. My name's Tom Tutton and I'm your host for this first series. Today, in keeping with the theme of emigration from Luxembourg, we're focusing on arguably the most famous Luxembourg-American, Edward Steichen, and the contrasting destinies of two Marys of Luxembourgish descent. We'll hear about Steichen's Family of Man exhibition, how Mary Alfred Mose had a helping hand in founding the world-renowned Mayo Clinic, and how Mary Clement was convicted of a sinister murder. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. We'll begin today's episode with the life of Edward Steichen, who was born in Bivange, just south of Luxembourg City, on March 27, 1879. His father Jean-Pierre emigrated to the US in 1880, with Edward and his mother Marie joining them soon after. Steichen's artistic talents were first noticed at a school in Milwaukee, and he bought his first camera aged 16. He married Clara Smith in 1903 and they would have two children together. Steichen collaborated with Alfred Stieglitz to produce one of the earliest magazines of photography called Camera Work. He was a pioneer of fashion photography, earning millions working for publications such as Vogue and Vanity Fair. During World War I, he commanded the photographic division of the American Expeditionary Forces in France, and in World War II, aged over 60, he served as director of the Naval Aviation Photographic Unit as a lieutenant commander, producing photographs of the war that were published in propaganda exhibitions back home. By 1947, Steichen had been made director of photography at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, or the MoMA. And in 1955, he curated The Family of Man, an exhibition that represented the culmination of his career. The exhibition toured the world for eight years, with more than nine million people eventually seeing it. It is now exhibited permanently at the Chateau Clairvaux in northern Luxembourg, as Steichen explicitly asked for it to be given to the country of his birth. Steichen was remembered as the best-known and highest-paid photographer in the world in the interwar years. He finally retired from his post at the MoMA in 1961 and died in Connecticut in 1973, aged 93. Steichen was probably the most famous Luxembourg American of the 20th century, but in the 19th century it may well have been the woman who came to be known as Mother Alfred Mose. Maria Catherine Mose was born in Remisch in Luxembourg on October 28, 1828. She was the eighth child of a prosperous blacksmith called Gerard Mose. Mary was motivated to move to the United States after hearing of the preaching of Bishop John Henney of Milwaukee, later the first Archbishop of Milwaukee, who spoke of the need for teachers in the New World to help educate Native Americans. On September 27, 1851, aged just 22, Mary and her sister Catherine set sail for New York from Le Havre. They were recorded as being from the Netherlands, probably due to the personal union between the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg and the Netherlands. Sister Carlen Cramon, who wrote a biography of the woman who would come to be known as Mother Alfred, wrote that Mary was a perfect reflection of the determination embodied in the Luxembourgish motto, Mia vela bleiver wat mir sin, or we want to stay what we are. The two sisters travelled to Milwaukee to meet with Bishop Henny, who arranged for them to learn English and join the Sisters of Notre Dame. Mary did not actually graduate from the school as she was dismissed for a lack of religious spirit and a want of calling. Mary and Catherine then joined the Sisters of the Holy Cross, working in La Porte, Indiana, where they finally took their religious vows and became known as Sister Alfred and Sister Barbara, respectively. Mary's willful spirit led to further difficulties for her. Although she was named school director in Laporte, she was dismissed from the congregation for acting impudently and repeated disobedience. It seems that she was a natural leader and attracted hostility from religious leaders expecting only unquestioning obedience. Nevertheless, she learnt from her experiences, observing the dedicated care that the congregations gave to victims of smallpox, tuberculosis and diphtheria. 
By 1863, sisters Alfred and Barbara had joined the Franciscan order in Illinois. The Bishop of Chicago approved the nuns as the first community of Franciscan sisters in Illinois, and Sister Alfred went on to found two religious orders, one in Joliet, Illinois, and the other in Rochester, Minnesota. In doing so, Mary finally became known as Mother Alfred Mose. Some 20 years after joining the Franciscan order, Mother Alfred finally found her true calling. On August 21, 1883, the town of Rochester was hit by a Force 5 tornado, the strongest category possible, causing 37 deaths and leaving around 200 wounded. North Rochester, then known as Lower Town, was completely destroyed by the tornado. A local doctor called William Morrill Mayo set up a makeshift hospital in the town and called upon the help of Mother Alfred and her congregation. For Mother Alfred, the need for a permanent hospital in the town was clear. She urged Dr. Mayo to set up a hospital despite his doubts and pledged the help of the Franciscan sisters in doing so, telling Mayo that with our faith and hope and energy, it will succeed. Mother Alfred accumulated funds by imposing a frugal lifestyle on the congregation and the property for the hospital was purchased towards the end of 1887 at a cost of $2,300. Alongside Dr. Mayo, she set up St. Mary's Hospital in Rochester in 1889, highlighting the principle of the Franciscan order, the cause of suffering humanity knows no religion and no sex, the charity of the Sisters of St. Francis is as broad as their religion. Mother Alfred took charge of St. Mary's Hospital until August 1890. She died in 1899, but the hospital continued to prosper and today is part of the Mayo Clinic, which was ranked as the number one overall hospital in the United States in 2016. The legacy of this Luxembourgish immigrant has thus remained strong until this day. But the same cannot be said of our third person of interest. Mary Clement was born in Harlanger in Luxembourg on the 16th of February 1863 to Michael and Margaret Clement. The family, consisting of Mary, her parents and two sisters, arrived in America in 1871 and settled in Dubuque in eastern Iowa on the shores of the Mississippi River. There, in 1874, one more daughter was born to the Clements. All seemed well for the first few years, but beginning in 1880, the Clement family seemed to have a string of really bad luck. The youngest Clement daughter, Annie, died at the age of just five in April 1880. In June 1884, Margaret, the mother of the family, passed away. Just two months later, in August 1884, the third Clement daughter, Lena, died at the age of 13. And in March 1885, Michael, the father, also passed away. At that point, Mary Clement was only 22 years old and all alone in Dubuque. Her oldest and only surviving sister, Katie Clement, had moved to Chicago to marry a man named Michael Frears in 1881. This Michael had also been born in Harlanger and had emigrated to Chicago. With no immediate family left in Dubuque, Mary moved to Chicago and lived with her sister, her brother-in-law and their two small children at their home in Rose Hill, which at the time was a northern suburb of Chicago and home to many immigrants from Luxembourg. Mary assisted her sister as the family cook and housekeeper. Yet within two weeks of her arrival, she was arrested for attempting to poison and ultimately murder her sister and her sister's family. The rest of Mary's tragic story is best told through a newspaper article that was syndicated throughout the United States at the time. The following extract appeared in the Tennessean in Nashville, Tennessee on the 18th of July, 1885. It reads, Convicted of Poisoning. Chicago, July 17th. Mary Clement, the girl under arrest on the charge of poisoning with intent to kill the family of her sister, Mrs. Michael Frears of Rose Hill, and who is also under a shadow for the death of, and is said to have confessed to, poisoning her father and a sister a year ago, was placed on trial in Judge Anthony's court today. But little time was spent in securing a jury. 
Miss Clement was dressed in deep mourning for her parents and sat by the side of her counsel and watched the proceedings closely. At times, she exhibited nervousness to a slight degree, but she quickly controlled herself. Miss Frères, the sister of the prisoner, is a small woman with reddish hair and dark eyes and looked a great deal like the prisoner. When she took the stand, she took no sympathy for the prisoner and appeared decidedly on the aggressive. She said that on Tuesday night prior to the poisoning, the defendant proposed that they should have soup. The witness acquiesced and soup was served. Miss Clement refused to eat any herself, saying she did not care for it. Shortly after eating it, they were all taken sick and continued so until Thursday when they were much better. On that day, Mary proposed that they should have more soup and again refused to eat it. The family were all taken sick and the sister grew suspicious. She saw a grey substance in the soup and a paper found in the yard also contained a similar powder. Isaac Poole, medical director, said he was called in to attend to the sick people and found undoubted evidence of arsenic poisoning. He went with Mrs. Frez to a chemist with a portion of the powder found in a soup plate. Henry S. Carhart, a professor at the Northwestern University, was next called. He made a test of the powder in the soup and found unmistakable evidence of arsenic by means of the Marsh test. Nathan P. Williams, a druggist, testified to an examination of the powder and said he found undoubtable evidence of arsenic. The other testimony was of a similar character. The case was given to the jury at 3 o'clock. Shortly before 6pm, the jury returned with a verdict of guilty, the penalty named being one year in the penitentiary. And so ends quite a dramatic newspaper article. But the story did not end there. Newspaper accounts prior to the trial state that Mary met with a reporter while in prison and during some sort of psychotic episode in her prison cell, she confided that she had heard voices which compelled her to poison her family members. In the interview, she stated that back in Dubuque, she had also poisoned her mother, her sister Lena and her father, resulting in all of their deaths. This unsurprisingly became big news back in Dubuque where many people were familiar with the Clement family. Newspaper accounts also state that the jury ruled Mary to be insane, which explains why she received such a light sentence. Mary was never arrested or prosecuted for the deaths of any of her other relatives in Dubuque. After her prison term, Mary eventually made her way to Los Angeles, California, where she worked as a seamstress and then as a housekeeper for a wealthy family. She did, however, return to Chicago, where she died on the 7th of July 1944 at the age of 81. Incredibly though, the Frere's family must have kept the horrible story of her poisoning and attempted murder of family members a secret from the youngest members of the family. Her nieces and nephews knew Mary as their beloved Aunt Mammy, and only learned the story of her sordid past years after her death. Even more surprisingly, it seems that Mary must have had some sort of reconciliation with her sister and brother-in-law, because Mary is buried in the Frere's family plot in St. Henry's Cemetery in Chicago, along with her sister Katie and brother-in-law Michael. And that is the end of the sinister story of Mary Clement. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening, and I'll help you to join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode is based on a guest article by Kevin Vester, script adaptation and hosting by Tom Tutton, produced by Martin Johnson, and brought to you by RTL Today.